Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining the March 21st edition of the Ackland Podcast. We'll start this morning by reading from Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they all will know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, as we read in the passage from Jeremiah, you are a God who is faithful to his people, to those who proclaim that you are our God. Too often we are not faithful back, as the Israelites showed so many times throughout Scripture. Help us to be consistently faithful, to take sustenance in your word. Help us to listen. Help us to discern. Help us to be a light to those around us. Please open our hearts this morning as we read scripture, as we listen to the lesson, and break bread and take the cup. We ask for your blessing on this worship service this morning. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Today's reading will be from Psalm 51, verses 1 through 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned. And done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proven, you are proved right when you speak, and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather, although we're not gathering together, that we can still be connected. We ask that you connect us during this continued time of separation. Help us to stay connected with one another and so we can enjoy each other's joys and and mourn in each other's sorrows. 
We ask that you be with our congregation as we continue to try to serve you in these difficult times where we're isolated. We ask that you be with our members who are struggling. Please be with Christy, and thank you for being with her and help her in her recovery, and be with Dave and the kids, and ask you to be with Jennifer and her foot and help that to heal. And please continue to help us in all the ways where we need your help, Father. Be with those in our community and in our world who are hurting, who are lost, who are frightened, who are confused, who need your help, Father. And we ask that you continue to be with our community, keep us close to you, and help us always to remember what Jesus does for us on a daily basis. So Jesus, we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. As I've gotten older, I've noticed something. It seems like we're running out of stories. There's only so many stories to tell, or so it seems. Movies, TV shows, and books, they tend to repeat themselves. The same plot lines show up over and over again across the genres. I remember listening to people discuss the recent Star Wars trilogy. You know, movies 7, 8, 9. I heard one person complain, The new trilogy is almost exactly like the original trilogy. A lonely orphan gets plucked out of obscurity, discovers their power and purpose, meets some brave new friends, and heroically risks their life in the cosmic battle of good over evil. I've already seen that story. I didn't need to see it again. But another friend had another reaction. I don't get tired of that story. I could watch it all over again. I'm drawn to it because it's the story. It's the main story of reality. The process of us finding our place in the fight of good over evil. It's in every movie, and honestly, it shows up most every week of my life. I thought that was really insightful. I found all of that conversation pretty helpful. Because I've wondered a lot about this concept, especially as it relates to Jesus. Some believers get to the point where they realize the world is full of stories similar to the story of Jesus. A seemingly common person is discovered to have great power and sacrificially lays his or her life down for the good of others. And when they realize that this story is everywhere, they wonder about the uniqueness of Jesus. But others have a different reaction. The many similar stories serve to reinforce that the story of Jesus is the great story of reality, the main story of history. Is Jesus just another story? Or is Jesus the one story that keeps being repeated. I mean, think about all the fictional characters that we gravitate to in books and film who wrestled with their purpose and role in the fight of good over evil and ultimately rest or even gave their lives as a sacrifice for others. And here's just a random quick list I came up with. Spock in Star Trek, Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator character in the Terminator movie, uh, the character um, Leonardo DiCaprio's Jack Dawson in the Titanic movie. Sigourney Weaver's character Ellen Ripley in Alien. Clint Eastwood's character Walt Kowalski in Gran Torino. Katniss Everdeen in The Hunger Games. 
Sidney Carton in Tale of Two Cities, Chuck in Maze Runner, Cash Bundren in William Faulkner's As I Lay Dying, uh, Charlotte in Charlotte's Web, Iron Man in Avengers, and of course, Harry Potter. What do we make of all this? I believe the story of Jesus is the story of reality. I believe the story of sacrifice for the growth and life of others is the story we all wrestle with every day. And that's why we keep telling it over and over again in various ways. Clearly, Jesus is unique, and yet we're drawn to the story because of its truth. John chapter 12, 20-31 is our gospel reading. John chapter 12, 20-31 Now there were some Greeks among them who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now, my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said had thundered. Excuse me. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. This is God's word. So here's the run-up to this story. In John 11, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And some leaders respond by initiating the plot to kill Jesus. In John 12, Lazarus' sister Mary anoints Jesus' feet at Bethany. And Jesus then triumphantly enters Jerusalem as king. This section begins with Greeks approaching the apostles. So who are these Greeks? It seems they are Gentile proselytes who have converted to Judaism. They have submitted to circumcision and food laws, all the stuff that was involved in being a good Jew back then. They are Grecian Jews, ethnically and culturally Greek, but religiously Jewish. And as best I can tell, this is the first time in John's gospel that Greeks have come up to Jesus. We've seen the extent of his reach, to the marginalized, to the down and out, the hypocrites, the Samaritans, and now Gentiles. Perhaps they approach Philip first because he is a Greek name. Philip passes their quest on to Andrew. Maybe they're unsure about the appropriateness. Well, Andrew passes the request directly on to Jesus, who does not directly answer. In typical Jesus fashion, he answers kind of indirectly. And he answers by using an agricultural metaphor, which does invoke the idea of a future Gentile harvest, as the prophets have foretold. And we'll spend the remainder of our time on his answer, 23 and 24. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
The glory of Jesus is found in sacrificial life and death. So let's unpack this idea of glory. The word glory means honor and distinction. Honor and distinction. In our day, glory is titles. Manager of the year, Dr. So-and-so, letters after your name, a LinkedIn page that wows people. In our day, glory is awards. Ribbons, trophies, plaques, scholarships, distinctions. In our day, glory is popularity, respect, success, social media followers. None of that's bad in and of itself. But if we're not careful, glory can become an end in itself, an idol. Consider how Jesus sees glory. Jesus, as God, has always had glory. Scripture teaches us that Jesus made himself nothing by putting on human skin and coming to earth, in a sense, giving up his glory. This is what we see in the Incarnation. So how will Jesus re-embrace his glory? It's not what you might think. For Jesus will not recapture his glory through military might, physical prowess, or intellectual ingenuity. Jesus will not find glory by seeking glory. In counterintuitive fashion, Jesus finds glory by pursuing sacrifice. And this gives us perhaps the most mysterious and paradoxical concept in the Bible. The glory of the cross. The glory of the cross. It's not what we expected. And I'm drawn to what Paul says about the surprising wisdom of the cross in 1 Corinthians 1, 22-25. Paul says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. How is it, then? How is it, then, that a sacrificial death is wisdom, as Paul says, and glory? How is it that a sacrificial death brings honor and distinction? Well, Jesus explains it by means of agriculture. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Think about how seeds work. A seed must fall. And when you see a seed fall off a kernel of wheat, it's not waste. It may be a type of death, but it doesn't end in death. It leads to life. Think about seeds. Some of you will be planting seeds shortly. When you plant a seed, you bury it. You bury the seed, but it's not dead. It brings forth life. But you have to bury it for the life to happen. This is the glory of sacrifice. Sacrifice leads to new life. It may not happen instantly, but if you take the long view, sacrifice always leads to long-term growth and new life. Consider all the examples from literature I gave you. Why do we gravitate to those stories? We know that sacrificial stories bring inspiration. Sacrificial stories motivate people to carry on the message. Sacrificial stories change people, even change the future. All this reminds me of one of those stories from literature and film. A scene from my favorite Star Wars movie, my favorite scene from episode four. So it's towards the end, and it's the lightsaber fight scene between Darth Vader and Obi-Wan Kenobi. And as they fight, Obi-Wan says, You can't win, Darth. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. 
Later, as Luke attempts to destroy the Death Star, he hears the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi. He hears his voice, and he realizes he has indeed become more powerful on the other side of self-sacrifice as he speaks, you might even say as he works through Luke. Back to Jesus. It's only when Jesus pays the price for our sin at the cross and defeats death at the resurrection that the Spirit then comes and lives within us. The glory of the cross is the forgiveness of sin. The glory of the cross is the defeat of death. The glory of the cross is the ushering in of the Holy Spirit. The cross paves the way for the new covenant, what the prophets had been talking about for oh so long. We see this in our Old Testament reading from Jeremiah 31, 31-34, where Jeremiah says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And here's, here's the kicker, okay? I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So Jeremiah says, God will put the law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Because of that, they'll be able to live like no one else has ever been able to live before. This is the promise of the Holy Spirit. God will indwell his people. We become the temple of the Lord. As the Spirit does its work of making us like Jesus, we become little Christ. Examples, imitations of Christ throughout the world. And in this, Jesus has become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. In this, the kernel of wheat has died and produced many seeds. The one kernel of wheat has brought forth a large harvest full of Jews, Samaritans, Gentiles, religious leaders, tax collectors, social outcasts, and prostitutes. This is the glory of the cross, and it only came through sacrifice. It's the imperative of sacrifice. It's the glory of sacrifice. It leads to life in the end, and we see this over and over again. But the question for us this morning is this. Do you believe it? Do you believe this story? And do you believe this story is the story of reality? Do you believe this story shows up all the time in our stories and literature and movies and film? Do you believe it shows up all the time because it's true? And do you want it to be your story? We're all searching for happiness. We're all searching for the good life. We're all searching for meaning and purpose. And in many ways, we're just all trying to survive. What does Jesus say about this? He says in this passage, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Joy is found in laying down your life. Satisfaction is found in giving up what you want. Meaning is found in sacrifice. If you want to have life, this is the path Jesus shows us. Do you believe it? Jesus gives us some encouragement on this. I love the end of this, starting in verse 28. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came down from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and had heard it said it had thundered, 
Others said an angel had spoken to him, and Jesus said, This voice was for your benefit, not mine. Jesus didn't need to hear that. He already knew it. It was for their benefit, not his. It's for our benefit, not his. God will glorify his name. God will receive honor and distinction. You can trust this. Jesus is asking you to lay down your dreams, your wants, your desires, your happiness, your career, your hobbies, your politics, all of it. Jesus is asking you to lay it down, to sacrifice it, and to follow him. And all that is bad will be destroyed, and all that is good will be returned to you with interest. Trust the harvest. It's the message of this story. Trust the harvest. The ultimate story of reality is that sacrifice leads to life and growth. It's not what we think. It's not what we expect, and in many ways it's a surprise. It's not how we often live, but it's true. So trust the path. Trust Jesus. Trust the glory of the cross. And so may we all in this season and throughout our lives pick up the cross and follow him. Please take a moment to, uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. Well, church, as we have taken communion virtually together this last year, we have learned a lot about what it means to be together in spirit, even as we have been physically distant. I think so often in this time, I think of those that are sitting in their living rooms or out on a walk or maybe even driving in the car as they listen to this. And even uh, with the small group that's been coming back to the building as of late, I continue to think about all of those that are home and all those that are listening and people I may not have seen physically, maybe even for quite a while, and yet we're all together in spirit. And God has continued to unite us, uh, not only for God's glory, but for the good, for the good of all people. I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 15 through 20, and then I'll offer a prayer for the bread and a prayer for the cup. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. As we gather around this table, we confess our sin. We acknowledge that we have been wrong. We admit our faults. And we embrace the forgiveness and grace that God gives us in Jesus. And we have joy that we are reconciled with God. And we take the joy from this meal and we look around to people that are with us, to people that are not with us, to our neighbors, and even our enemies in this world. And we ask that God would give us the power to be reconciled with all people as we've been reconciled with him. And to even give us the ministry of reconciliation. Let us now pray for the bread. 
Lord God, we thank you for this bread, which you have told us is your body. We thank you for the example that you lived in this body. And we pray that you would give us the Holy Spirit so that we could live like your body. And through Jesus we pray. Amen. And Lord, as we take the cup that you have told us is your blood, we thank you for the forgiveness we have in your blood. We thank you that you shed your blood and willingly laid your life down. And we pray that we would have the strength to lay our lives down for others. Help us to never forget all the forgiveness and grace that we have because of your blood. And so in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. I'm reading from Hebrews chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for another day that you've given us to worship you. We thank you for your son Jesus Christ, most importantly, for the sacrifice on the cross for our sins. Father, we pray that you will forgive us of our sins. We pray for mercy, and wisdom, and guidance. Father, for our number, we pray for healing for those recovering from hard times. And we pray for those who are suffering, those who need hope, and those who need real healing, Father. We pray, Father, that you would go with us this week to defend you and to speak a good word for you, to be the Christians that you need us to be. We pray, Father, that you will take care of these many blessings in there. We pray this in your Son, Jesus' holy name. Amen. Good morning, Acklin. I hope everyone's Sunday is off to a good start. I will start with birthdays. Uh, on March 24th is Van Christian's first birthday. Van, happy birthday. Hopefully we will get to see you more in your second year of life than we did in your first, but have a great birthday. Then on the 27th, J.P. Conway. Happy birthday, J.P. Hope it's a good one. Uh, if you've been on the Google groups, uh, you've heard, um, you've probably read the announcements. Christy Wagner was in a car accident, the whole family actually. And we just want to keep her in our prayers um, I'm sure there will be um, food lists and maybe carpool help that we can provide that family in the coming weeks. Uh, the kids are going to be back uh, with family. Uh, Dave is going to be uh, down caring for Christy. Uh, so we, we will try to keep everybody updated on that. But uh, really thankful for uh, Rebecca Beard and the Porters and the help that they were able to to give to the Wagners. But just please keep them in your prayers. Um, as Christy recovers. Uh, we, we did get good news this week uh, with, with Marianne Corley. She got a good report back 
and we're just super super thankful for that. Uh, but continued prayers for her as she um, <clears throat> schedules surgery. So keep Marianne in your prayers as well. Also, I, I believe it was emailed out, but uh, Maggie McLean from Lawrence Avenue passed away uh, last week. So we just want to remember um, our brothers and sisters over there, particularly Robert, her husband, and Glenn as well. Um, just pray for them in their loss. The only other announcement I think I have, I just want to make sure people are aware of a Good Friday service coming up on the 2nd of April. That'll be at 5 p.m. Uh, at the building. There will probably be an email with some further details on that. Um, but April the 2nd, Good Friday service. That's all the announcements I've got today. Uh, everybody have a good week. Hope to see you soon. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.